1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 through 12. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you, and the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. So I want to start off our time in God's word together this morning by asking the question, what truly matters most in life? I want you to ask yourself that question. What truly matters most in my life? Where do we go to find the answer to that question? And if you were to take a stock of your life as it is right now, how would your words and actions reflect your answer to that question, what matters most in life? Now, one of the problems that, 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 that we have with that is that uh, that's a question that we tend to ask all the time so naturally uh, that we just don't even realize we're doing it. It's the most important question that we should ponder, but we don't give it any consideration. We're just sort of subconsciously asking ourselves that question. We're subconsciously trying to make sense of life, trying to determine what matters most in any given moment, deciding on a whim what matters most and how to live in response to that. And it's in that context, it's in that sort of context that Peter is writing his letter to the Christians that are dispersed all throughout the ancient Near East. Now, we recently launched this teaching series through the great book of First Peter that we're calling Resilient Hope. Resilient Hope in a Restless World. When you understand the glory of the gospel story, in other words, the significance of Jesus's life, death, and resurrection, then and only then can you truly understand like your place in the here and now. When you understand and are grounded in the gospel story, then and only then can you truly live a life of purpose. Can you live in light of what truly matters most? So let's go ahead and dive into the text right now. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 1, looking at verses 10 through 12. Uh, let me pray for us and we'll get started, all right? Uh, Father, thank you for this text of scripture. Would you just speak through my words, spiritual truth from your word? And would your word just pierce our hearts, Lord? Would it challenge us? Would you have it change us? Would you have it encourage us? Would you have it mold us more into the image of Jesus? It's in his name that we ask and pray for these things. Amen. Now, point number one that we're looking at, the glory of the gospel story has been planned since the beginning. It's been planned since the beginning. Read verse 10 with me. Peter says, Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully. 
Now, when Peter says the prophets who prophesied about the grace, who, what he's talking about there is the Hebrew prophets of the Old Testament. All those guys that wrote the Old Testament. You see, before we had this written word, God spoke to his people through prophets like Moses, beginning with Moses and then with the others. Uh, he spoke through those prophets. Now, I want you to look here at what these prophets were most interested in. Now, in verse 10, it says, They searched and inquired carefully. Then verse 11, Inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. In other words, what he's saying is that all these Old Testament prophets, when they wrote down all of those things, like the reason that they wrote down when we're able to, with such accurate accuracy and, and such specificity, uh, to uh, uh, predict uh, all the prophecies about the coming Messiah and predict how God would provide the salvation that we all desperately need. The reason that they were able to do that is because they were being guided by the Spirit of Christ Himself. Now, why is that of any significance? It's because it tells us that all that Jesus did wasn't to fulfill prophecy. It was actually the other way around. The prophet said and wrote what they did because the Spirit of Christ told them what he was going to do. So it's not like Jesus showed up in Galilee, read all the Old Testament scriptures and started adding all of these prophecies about the Messiah to like his bucket list uh, and saying like, oh, I got to do all of these things before I die. And his disciples are like, why are you worrying about your bucket list? You're only like 30 years old. And he's like, don't worry about it. I'm on a mission, right? Like, it's not like he has this bucket list or this list of to-dos uh, from the Old Testament prophecies that he's like, okay, I got to do this. I got to do this. Oh, are you kidding me? I have to do that too. That's going to be awful. It was actually the other way around. He did those things because they, or the, the prophets wrote those things because he told them that these are the things that he would come to fulfill. He was present in the Old Testament. His spirit was present in the Old Testament, inspiring those prophets uh, to write down what he would come to do. It's not like they were teachers assigning Jesus homework to complete. He's the one who wrote the very curriculum, right, that they would use. And they're just handing it on down to us through the scriptures. It was a sovereign plan of God since before the dawn of time to save sinners like us. I want you to think about just the, the magnitude of that. It was the sovereign plan of God before time even began to save sinners like you and me. The Son of God who is the Lord of lords and the King of kings, the one whose voice created all that there is, the heavens and the earth, the one who makes angels sing and who makes demons tremble, he spoke to the prophets that he would come to live as a man and suffer in our place, all for the sake of amazing grace. And that's amazing, right? There truly is amazing grace. You see, our salvation doesn't just go back to the cross. Our salvation goes back to the very beginning, capital B beginning, right? It goes back beyond creation into the sovereign plan of a God who decided to deal with the problem of sin in the world and the problem of sin in our hearts and that he would succeed by offering himself in our place. I want you to think of just the implication of how seeing God's, of just what it means to see God's love 
in light of this truth, in light of his sovereign plan. I love the way that John Piper articulates this when he said, Indeed, as far back as the plan of salvation reaches in the mind of God, so far back has Christ been willing and ready to give himself for our sins. You were not loved for just a bloody moment of sacrifice in history. No, you have been loved for endless ages in the eternal plan of the Father and the Son to save sinners who trust in Him. Don't you love that? Now, I want you to see how Peter describes the gospel here in verse 11 when he says, The Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. What he's saying there is, is, is shorthand for the gospel. The truest news that you or I could ever preach to ourselves, that Christ suffered for us and was glorified for us. Now, who would have thought that God's answer for sin would not be a set of instructions or techniques to say, hey, you got to live this way, got to be a good person, or would not be a set of self-help jumbo, like, you can do it. It would not be a philosophy that you have to pontificate about. No, his answer to the problem of sin was himself. He gave up. He offered himself. He left the majesty of his throne, the glories of eternity, to suffer as a man, to be hungry, to experience thirst, to experience temptation and rejection and abandonment, and even to the point of suffering the death of a criminal on a cross. You see, the prophets don't just mention the sufferings of Christ but his glories too. And what do they mean by his subsequent glories? It's the glory that Jesus received after his death, not just in his resurrection and ascension, but in the glory he received in the gospel just exploding on the scene 2,000 years ago and reverberating throughout time and around the world and the irresistible grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that transforms person after person after person, family after family, nation after nation. You see, one day, On the other side of death, we're going to see this in all its full glory. One day on the other side, when all that is wrong and evil and painful has gone away, we will stand at the precipice of eternity. We will stand with all the saints from every tribe, from every tongue, every color, every social class, every generation, every period of history. We will see the sweeping work of God's grace and the only proper response at that point in time when we finally see it in all its glory the only proper response will be worship it'll be worship every every time that we gather for worship on sundays every time that we sing songs together as a church family it's just a faint imitation of what we're going to be experiencing forever in worship of the glory of God. You see, Revelation says, the book of Revelation says that our worship on that day will be so great that it's going to be like the sound of rushing waters or like peals of loud thunder. 
Now, have you ever stood at the bottom of a waterfall where it's just like encompassing you and you just hear that loud, loud rushing like, right? You can't even hear yourself think. There's just so much sound just enveloping you. Revelation, the book of Revelation, I think it's Revelation 19, it says that our worship on that day is going to be just like that. The glories of God fully revealed. And don't miss the fact that the glory of this story, it centers on Jesus. It centers on Jesus, his suffering, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his suffering, and his glories, his subsequent glories are all about Jesus. And that's what the prophets searched for. We have the privilege of living on this side of it, of being able to look back and say, the Messiah has come. The king redeems. He has come. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Do you celebrate the grace that you've been given? When you think about the magnitude of Christ's sufferings and subsequent glories, about what worship is going to look like for all eternity, does that push your heart to celebrate and worship the grace that you've been given today? When your kids, if you have children, observe you, when your family uh, sees you, when you're with your friends or your coworkers, do they see you or recognize that you're somebody who celebrates the grace that you've been given and that you so identify with the sufferings and glories of Christ your Lord that it completely transforms your life and draws you or draws others to want to know more about the hope that you have within you. You see, this is why we need the renewal of the word. We need to be reminded of the gospel. We need to rehearse it. We need to be in God's word. And that's why we see this for point number two, that the glory of God, the gospel story is preserved for our benefit. Preserved for our benefit, we read that in verse 12 where it says it was revealed to them, to the prophets, that they were serving not themselves, but you. And the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. You see, God raised up these prophets and inspired their writings by the Holy Spirit so that you and I would have this book, so that we'd have a record and a witness of the person and work of Jesus. Romans 10, 17 says, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. So are you the kind of person that would like to say that you're strong in faith? That you're growing in grace? That you are, are growing in, in what it means to be faithful to the Lord? Well, Paul says there in Romans that that comes by hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. You see, this is why uh, Peter says they wrote the word not for themselves, but, but for you. Not themselves, but for you. You know what that tells us? That tells us, look, we have to read the Bible. 
We have to be in the word. You have to dig into the Bible. You have to gaze into it. You have to see it as the life source that it is. He says in verse 12 that the prophets wrote their words down, not not to serve themselves, but to serve you. Do you get that? Do you understand what he's saying there? You see, some of us think that, that the reason we read the Bible is to serve God, to make him happy, right? Like, I'll read the Bible to make God happy, like it's a chore that we just kind of have to blow through. But Peter says, no, read your Bible because the word serves you. Read the Bible because God is serving you. He's growing you. He's making you better through his word. It's life. It's a wellspring of life. If you're unwilling to have this view of the scriptures, where you just know you have to read it, you have to dig into it, if you're unwilling to hold that view of the scriptures, then man, it's hard to gaze into the gospel. It's hard to really recognize what is the truest news, what is of first importance. It's hard to dig into it when you see it as a chore. But if you want to be a faithful, consistent follower of Christ, if you want to be a joyful Christian, then you need to have your mind renewed by the word. If you want to know the will of God for your life, you need the renewal of mind through the word. That's what Romans 12 tells us. Now, some of you, I know that some of you are thinking like, man, that sounds nice, but if only I had more time. If only I had more time, then for sure I'd read my Bible more. But isn't that what you said before COVID too? I mean, just to be real, right? Like, isn't that what you said before COVID too? And then when you suddenly had more time at home because of the lockdown, like how did you now fill up all that extra time you suddenly have? Did you dig into the life-giving word? Or did you start binging on Disney Plus? You see, we need to be in the word. It is a gift to us. It's been preserved for us as a gift from God through the prophets and the apostles. And not only is it preserved for our benefit, but it's also, number three, the reason that it's preached to us for our encouragement. The glory of the gospel story is preached for our encouragement. Read verse 12 again when he says, It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. I'm going to be really quick on this point. This is why we consider the preaching of the word of such importance at King's Cross Church. This is why our sermons tend to be so Bible-driven. The most important thing that you need to hear from me, the most important thing that you need to hear from any preacher is what the word says, not what I think, not what the preacher thinks. You see, it, it takes me literally it takes me hours to prepare a sermon like this. It takes me hours upon hours to per, per, to prepare a 40-minute sermon for you guys and 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 it's It's worth the labor to me, one, because I love you, but two, because that's my job. My job is to preach the word, not myself. 
I have to do the work of studying it and considering how it applies to our culture, how it applies to our context, how it applies to our individual hearts. And this is what J.I. Packer says. He just really drives this home. Uh, man, I miss Packer. He's, he's kind of like a modern day Puritan. He just passed away recently, but he was such a beast in the pulpit. And I love what he says about the preacher's aim here, the preacher's job. He says the preacher's aim will be to stand under scripture, not over it, and to allow it, allow the Bible, so to speak, to talk through him, delivering what is not so much his message as its message. Scripture itself must do all the talking, and the preacher's task is simply to set the Bible in motion. Look, that is my goal in prayer as your pastor every time I come preach to you, to get out of the way of God's word, my personality, my abilities, my opinions, to get all of that out of the way and put God's word forward, to set the Bible in motion and let the word of God do its work in your heart, to challenge you, to convict you, to encourage you, and to bring joy to you. Man, my heart needs that too. We need God's word to do its, to do its thing on all of our hearts. Uh, you know why the ch- first churches gathered one day a week on Sundays uh, to celebrate the gospel together? It's because that was the way, that is the way that we obey the fourth commandment, which says to set aside the Sabbath day for public and private worship. We reorient our lives on the gospel together. That's what public worship is. We reorient our lives on the gospel together through the word. You see, we're committed to that. The God of the Bible, he's the same yesterday, today, forever. And we want to know him more and enjoy him more. And so we need to just always be driven by the word. And and that's really what makes us a, just, we're a simple church here. We're really simple church. We gather together in a space. We meditate on the word through prayer. We open up books of the Bible together, preach in a way that shows you what the text actually says, and then stir your affections with that glorious truth. And then we sing the word through song. And we encourage one another in the word and study it throughout the week. We treasure God's word. Man, let me ask you, do you treasure God's word that way? Do you treasure God's word where you want to return to it again and again? Do you treasure God's word to the point to when you don't desire it, you pray, God, please help me desire it. Give me an appetite for this. And I'm just going to read it just because I'm trusting that this is good for my heart, for my life. You see, the Christians that Peter wrote to, they were distracted. They were discouraged. They were feeling beat up and restless. And do you catch here, though, how in verse 12, Peter builds up on the scripture's importance to them. He wants his readers to know that God sent more than spirit-filled prophets to write down uh, God's word to them. He also sent preachers to preach the good news uh, from the spirit sent from heaven. You see, he's saying no matter where they go, no matter what trials they face, whatever political tensions they experience, 
whatever might come their way, whatever discouragement might creep in, they will never be without the word of God in their midst to encourage them during difficult times. God sent the prophets in the old times. He sends the preachers in the new times. And he says, look, you're my people. I've raised these people up and you will never be without the encouragement of the word. Peter is showing God's love to them through the gift of the word. I want to ask you, do you understand how this book is a gift? Do you understand how this book is a gift to us? How it's something more magical and supernatural than just paper and ink. It's the very word of God. The word of God to us. The word of God, from the word from the one who loves you and saved you. His word to you. Look, you might be, be, be checking in right now and just thinking like, man, like I would love to be a person of the word more. I'm new to this whole thing, or maybe you're just checking this whole thing out and you want to know, how can I study the Bible? How can I read it? Man, we care about this so much that we will go to great lengths uh, to make sure that we come alongside you uh, to help you in that effort. We have all kinds of things available. If you're new to the church, we give this book out uh, to everyone that fills out our welcome card. It's called uh, before you open your Bible, it talks about all these different heart postures uh, that you should have before you approach God's Word. Uh, we have resources on our website, recommended uh, books on studying the Word, uh, studying the Scriptures in depth. Uh, if that's not something that you can afford right now, please let us know and, uh, and we'll get you a copy. We would love to put a book like that in your hand. We've got Right Now Media, our online Bible study platform with all kinds of Bible studies uh, on there. Our home groups right now are going through a study through the book of James. And our group right now, at the beginning of our group, before we turn on the, the online study, we actually read the passage together. We probably spend more time talking about this passage among ourselves, studying it together, circling things together, asking questions amongst one another, learning how to read God's word together um, because we just we just care about that so much. And man, you might be like, I'm not much of a reader. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm more of like a listener kind of kind of kind of person. Uh, well, we have something for you too. Uh, we have uh, we've partnered with a company called Dwell. Uh, they have an online Bible listening app uh, that you can you can download and get a full subscription for free on us uh, to help you listen to the word uh, on your way to work or while you're doing uh, the dishes or doing the laundry or whatever it is. I mean, we have a whole host of resources that we would just love to put in your hands and no cost to you to help you grow in the word. Now, please take us up on that. Seriously, take us up on that. We would love to put these in your hand. Lastly, I want us to close by looking at uh, the final phrase in our passage. This brings us into points to number four, that the glory of the gospel story is praised by the angels on high. It's praised by the angels. 
We see this at the end of verse 12. Let's just read the whole verse. It says, It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you, and the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Man, I don't want you to miss the gravity the, the felt gravity of those last seven words, that these are things into which angels long to look. There's a host of, the Bible says that there's a host of heavenly beings who are watching history unfold called angels. And they're watching history unfold and they're just marveling with amazement at the transforming power of redemption. Angels that would make you tremble if you saw one face to face. We see that a few places in the scriptures. When an angel appears to uh, a mere man or woman and they just fall on their face because they think they're seen like a god. Uh, and so those angels that would make you tremble, if you saw one face to face, there's a whole army, a host, a multitude of them watching history unfold, watching all the connections made between the Old Testament and the New Testament in history, watching as the Spirit of God is at work through the prophets and through the preaching of the Word, watching as, in, as a man, a woman, or child begins to see their sin for the first time and hate it, as they begin to see their need for salvation for the first time. They're watching as people are moved by the sufferings of Christ and can't resist grabbing hold of God's grace. These angels watch as lives are transformed and as legacies are transformed and as the glory of God spreads out over all the earth as churches plant churches that plant churches as disciples make disciples that make disciples. And they say, that's the stuff right there. That's the stuff these angels say. It says, these are the things into which angels long to look. They long to look at history unfold, at redemption history unfold. They peer over the walls of eternity, looking at redemption, at the redemption of God's people. Uh, just unfold before them. And Luke 15 says the angels rejoice every single time that one sinner repents. I, mean, I want you to imagine hearing those cheers. I want you to imagine feeling just the rumbling thunder of their applause. The angels are amazed at the glory of the gospel story. With that picture in your mind, I want you to consider, are you amazed enough at the glory of the gospel story? Are you amazed this morning? You see, glorifying God should be the natural reflect of the gospel. When you encounter the gospel, when you dig into God's word, when the Spirit of God takes these words, grabs your heart, and gives you a clear picture of God so that you know Him better and enjoy Him more, is your natural response to glorify Him. That should be the natural reflex of the gospel. 
The Westminster Shorter Catechism is this centuries-old uh, teaching tool that Christians used. And the very first question in the Westminster Shorter Catechism is the question, what is the chief end of man? In other words, what is our primary purpose? What is the one thing we were made for? The answer is man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. You see, the Christian faith is not a dry faith. It's not a lifeless faith. It's a true faith, and it's a joyful one. Know God and enjoy Him forever. God is after our joy. That's why we need the Word. That's why we need to Preach it. That's why it's been preserved for us. That's why we need to dig into it and study it. It's for our joy. Look, we know the road of life often gets bumpy. We know that there is an enemy who will try to get you to question the grace that you have if you're a Christian, who will try to get you to doubt God's goodness and love. We live in a broken world where circumstances don't always make sense and it might not always seem like you're cared for or loved by God or that you have a purpose. But in God's word, in God's word, you will find the hope and the stability and the vision that you need. So look, maybe you're turning in this morning, tuning in this morning and um and you're just, you just don't have an appetite for God's word. Could I just gently challenge you to, to pray to God? Ask him to open the eyes of your heart, to give, him, to give you an appetite for his word. And take us up on these resources. Seriously, they're, they're free for you. They're free for you. We would love to put resources in your hand, on your phone, on your TV to help you grow in your knowledge of the word. Look, if you're a Christian this morning, uh, let me encourage you to remember that there is no season of life that is so difficult uh, that the word of God can't reach you. God has preserved his word as a gift. He sent preachers to encourage you in the word. He's given you a church family to build you up in the word. And so in the word, let's find the hope and the stability and the vision that we need. Thank you for listening to the King's Cross Church podcast. We'd like to encourage listeners to be part of a local church gathering. If you're ever in the Orange County, California area, we'd love it if you'd come by and visit on a Sunday morning. For meeting times and locations or any other information about us, please visit kx.church. There's no .com in that, just kx.church. Thanks again for listening.